Way to go, panty preserver. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. How can I forget? Yeah, welcome. Welcome, man. Bienvenue. Number 14, I'm Valerie. I'm Amy Jo. Welcome to You Ain't a Woofin, your weekly dose of hang time with us. Yeah, that's right. I know you missed us. Um, we're finishing off 1973. We learned a lot about it last week during the timeline twist, and then we got to hear Amy's scary poltergeist story. That's what it was like. Terrifying. Yeah. I know. Yeah, if you missed it, you could go back and listen. Yeah. I, just, I actually find that story like creeping into my subconscious it's pretty scary (laughs) yeah terrifying i've not covered a story yet that has crept into my dreams that way um Mm. thank god because i do not want brigham young showing up in my night times that might be more scary (laughs) i'll (laughs) kick him in the balls (laughs) Uh, I did do some research from Mm. the timeline twist uh, last week. (laughs) Okay. I, what'd you say? I said balls of dough. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Um, I I got curious about the, uh, the pepper jack cheese. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, um, so I just Googled who it (coughs) Excuse me. Who invented? Who is this Pepper Jack, Jack Cheese character? Yeah, and he was apparently was a real asshole. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> he lived in the Monterey area of California once it became California, and uh, what? Monterey Cheese was invented first, and the Jack part comes from his name. Basically, stole stole it from the people who originally made it, and. Named it after himself. He stole it from the Mexican people? Uh-huh. And then um, it became Pepper Jack when they started using... I guess Pepper Jack is just Monterey Jack cheese with peppers. This is a, this is a trivia... Like, this is my weekly trivia question for, for you. Because <laughs> apparently that's what I'm enjoying doing. Um... <laughs> This is a fill-in-the-blank, okay? Oh, okay. Quote. Although it's used just like an ordinary whiskey, blank tastes much different than any other basic liquor. It actually tastes good right out of the bottle. There's a reason. In the days of old New Orleans, one talented gentleman was disturbed by the taste of even the finest whiskeys of his day. So he combined (laughs) rare and delicious ingredients to create this unusually smooth, special kind of basic liquor. (laughs) Thus, blank was born. Can you name that whiskey? Uh, You're not going to tell me what it was made of. Uh, My first thought is bourbon. No, it's just a whiskey. Bourbon is whiskey. 
Right, but it's not a, it's not a specifically a bourbon whiskey. It is. It's just a brand. I'm okay. asking for the brand oh, a name. Brand? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That was. I'm reading from an ad. So. When did you say this guy did this? This is an ad from 1973. Oh, it is from 73. Oh, well. Yeah. But when's the history from? Do you, does uh, it say? Oh, yeah. In the days of old New Orleans. That's the date range. Old New Orleans. Okay. <laughs> One talented something. gentleman mm. was disturbed by the taste of even well, the it's finest whiskeys of his day. How fucking old is Fireball? That's my guess. <laughs> oh my I mean, that's what you drink if you don't like this, the taste of whiskey. Right? I'll read you the rest of the ad in case it's not Fireball. It's not Fireball. <laughs> okay, well, that was me giving up. And, so you know, he combined I don't rare, judge people who drink Fireball either. Rare, delicious ingredients to create this unusually smooth, special kind of basic liquor. <laughs> basic liquor is, like, so funny to me. Yeah. The Southern I mean, Comfort was not born. selling it very well. Oh, I just uh, said it. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Its formula uh, is still a family secret. Dot dot dot. Janis Joplin's favorite. Its uh, delicious taste still unmatched by any other liquor! Exclamation mark. Try it on the rocks. Dot dot dot. Then you'll understand why well, it improves most comfort. mixed drinks too. Okay. <laughs> I am not. I haven't. I don't think I've. Well, I have had it. I'm sure, but yeah. Not very That's often. It. That's it. There's plenty to cut out of that. That was a good one. All right. Let's get to uh, this. What do you have? A yeah. tale of murder? I've got a murder. Murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of, a fun one. A fun murder. Okay, well, go, let's go. All right. Let's do it. murder story from 1973. That sounds okay. fun. Before my brain rots from the talc. <laughs> Before I get <laughs> you know flower powered out just like in a I mean I feel like it would be just kind of like a fuzzy way to go out. You just kind of oh, like yeah. fuzz out. Sounds nightmarish. To get talc choked. Yeah, or maybe, like, it's sticky, but, like, yeah, I just feel Ooh. like you wouldn't be that... It wouldn't be very clear. <laughs> yeah. It's not a clear way to go. Okay, so, um, let's go. Let's meditate. Okay, go ahead. Tell me a story about murder. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, I am fine. <laughs> <laughs> this is the uh, 1973 Steel Town Murders. Also known as the Saturday Night Strangler. Oh my god! Saturday night. That's yeah. The best night. Why? You gotta ruin it. I know. Oh no. So in the mid and late summer of 1973, the murders okay. of three 16-year-old girls in South Wales shocked and devastated the community. Of course. Oh, it's South Wales. Uh, it okay. would take tenacity, time, and an exhumation. Before the crimes were finally solved. 
Love a good digging up. Mm -hmm. Okay. So on Saturday night, July 14th, 1973, uh, Burton Ferry teen Sandra Mary Newton was planning a night out on the town. Uh, Sandra, her boyfriend, and a group of friends were spotted later that night at the local pub called the Traveler's Rest. Mm-hmm. Later in the evening, the group moved on to the Baron nightclub, and witnesses reported that she and her boyfriend left the club somewhere around 1 a.m. Did you say how old she was? She's 16. 16. I'll tell 1 a.m. I... Okay. It was the 70s. Uh, Emails. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, she leaves with her boyfriend... At some point after that, the teenage couple separated, and Sandra intended to hitchhike home. It's the 70s, after all. So, sadly, three days later, on July 17th, her body was found in a culvert near a disused mine near the village of Tonmore. Tonmore. Sorry. Tonmore, Wales. Oh, my God. Aww. Yeah, and the coroner later concluded that she had been raped and then strangled with her own skirt before being dumped in the location of the mine. The last person that saw her before her killer, theoretically, was her boyfriend. Her boyfriend, yeah. Um, So according to crimeandinvestigation.co.uk, investigators, quote, speculated that Sandra had been picked up by her killer since she was found some miles away in a place only accessible by vehicle, which was the mine. Uh, mm-hmm. Moreover, due to the isolated area, they theorized the killer was a local man who knew that area. Um, continuing the quote, detectives appealed for information, but nobody could provide any further insight into Sandra's murder. The investigation was led by Detective Chief Inspector Indris Jones, who commented in the media, there is a strong possibility that this person might kill again. Yeah, so uh, police continued the investigation for Sandra's murder without any luck. Then two months later, on the night of September 16th, close friends and co-workers at a local sewing factory, 16-year-olds Pauline Floyd and Geraldine Hughes were also heading out for a Saturday night on the town. And that night, the two were seen together at a nightclub in Swansea called the Top Rank. Oh, and there are pictures of these girls and this bar, the outside of this bar in the mm. drive, if you want to mm. pull them up. You don't have to, but... Um, so these two also would not make it home alive. Uh, after 1 a.m., uh, it was too late to catch a bus, so they, too, decided to hitch a ride home. Their bodies were found the next day in Landarcy Woodlands, five miles away from Swansea. So oh it's the same God. M.O. Oh, jeez. Um, both of the girls were raped and strangled, this time with pieces of rope that remained around their necks when they were found. And right. this is so... Devastating. One of the girls had crawled away and almost made it to the road before the murderer came upon her and killed her. 
So since there were two of them, I'm assuming like she got she got up and started running when he was maybe strangling the other her friend. Oh, um, those two were found clothed, so they believe, but they know that they were raped, so they believe that he made them get dressed again. Which also, uh, you would think that he was going to let you go, and that that would be the worst that would happen to you that night, I would think. And then, you know, just terrible. So, again, from Crime and Investigation, um, quote, a man named Walter Watkins had made the grim discovery and told the Liverpool Daily Post, I was taking my usual morning walk through the woods when I saw what I first thought was a doll lying in wet grass. It was in an open patch a little way behind a tree. When I went closer, I saw a girl lying face down. Why would it be a doll? Okay, no. Mm -hmm. I know. You hear that over and over. People are like, I thought it was a mannequin. I thought it was a doll. Ugh. So scary. How could it be? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, a mannequin fell off a truck, you know? Happens all the time. All right. (laughs) Mannequins are expensive. I'm just saying, like, people take care of them. Right. No one would be throwing a perfectly good mannequin out. Uh, I wouldn't. No. So, yeah, despite the similarities in the cases, uh, investigators didn't immediately link the two murder scenes. I mean, we're talking about 1973, even though I think the bodies were found. um, Don't quote me on this, but I feel like they were found like seven miles within seven miles of each other. So really close. So police reached out to the community and received two pretty solid leads very quickly, which was good. Now, this is for the the two girls um, because they hadn't connected Sandra's murder yet, which was the first girl. Um, so the police there are, are looking for the killer of these two girls. And um, again, from Crime and Investigation, quote, an eyewitness reported seeing a white Austin 1100 on a lay-by close to the roadside cops where the two bodies were found. Detective Chief Superintendent Ray Allen stated, we intend checking every car of this description. The article goes on to say, quote, the belief that Pauline and Geraldine were picked up by their killer was further solidified when a local man, Philip O'Connor, informed detectives that he had seen the girls sheltering from the rain at a bus stop near the club after it closed at 1 a.m. He said he then watched on as a white car swerved to the side of the road and pulled up alongside Pauline and Geraldine. Moments later, they both climbed in. The first part of that was like a drive on or a drive by? Uh, The lay-by, which I looked that up. It's either the shoulder... Or a mer- more permanent type space, like a rest stop. Okay. But it's so, just oh, okay. part of the road or to the side of the road. Yeah, and I looked that up. this is in Wales, so they have different, <coughs> like, road <Yeah>. technology. <clears throat> okay. I couldn't Thank really you. tell from the definition if it would be a shoulder, what we call it, or a rest stop, which is, you know, you pull all the way in. Yeah. But, um... A place yeah. to pull off of the main driving area. Exactly. It sounds In to me form. more like a shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. So someone had seen a car on the shoulder, which is huge. Um, 
And then also someone saw them getting in a car, which was also huge. Mm -hmm. Both of them white cars. And uh, the eyewitness said the man driving that car, um, the car that the girls were seen getting into, um, not the one on the lay-by, he appeared to be in his mid-30s and had bushy hair and a mustache. Okay. Yeah, so we have Sandra, who was killed in July. We have Pauline and Geraldine, who were killed in September. All of them raped, all of them strangled. Um, Later that fall, police identified the link between the three girls' murders and the hunt for the Saturday Night Strangler began. Also with the three murders, he's now a serial killer. Even Uh though I don't know if that was used in 73. I can't remember what your research was. Uh, Yeah. I feel like it was um, pretty late, like 78 or something like that. Yeah. When they first started using that term, but it definitely, maybe it was kind of like hot in the in the 70s because my that that was my story from 1959 the bouncing ball killer oh yeah okay where we talked about that and it was i remember it being at least 10 years away from oh okay term but not 20 so i can't remember what when it was yeah again like we've talked about the sources were kind of competing (laughs) you know Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. with information that was like well which is it but um yeah most of the or a couple of them seem to uh indicate that serial killer wasn't a term that was used then yeah but yeah present day looking back we would call him a serial killer based on that number yeah so the investigation for um pauline and geraldine had about 150 police officers following up on tons and tons of leads um you know they were determined to find this killer the car type um was listed in sources as i was just saying some of them call it an austin 1100 some of them call it a morris 1100 so i looked both of those up and they're just common names of minis yeah austin morris yeah mini Um, So basically, the car that we're looking for is a white Mini. And while that's a great lead, you know, um, the Mini was a very, very popular car at the time. So they had to follow up on 10,000 drivers of white Minis. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's like the um, suburban of today. Yeah. Or the 90s. Okay, yes. they. Um, so 10,000 drivers of these white minis. Um, in addition, just to complicate okay, things. But also, <laughs> like, I'm having a visual where it is, like, 10,000 mini, white minis, and they are driven by Shriners. Am I wrong? <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. They're driven by fucking everybody. It the investigators like. are like, Turns out you don't have to wear a fez to drive one mm-hmm. of these things. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, minis, man. 
Why they're do they so have to cute. investigate all 10,000 of them in the U.S.? Like, why couldn't they narrow it down better? In Wales. In Wales. Yeah, well, I mean, down? it's only 1973, man. I don't even know how they figured out how many there were. It's all on paper. Huh. Um, so also complicating things, um, well, they, I mean, they put a wide, wide net out. Just uh, my two next points. Um, the nearby steelworks, uh, employed 13,000 men who were not ruled out immediately. I mean, that's a huge number. I, yeah, that's what the sources said. It was just like, oh, okay. So everyone's a suspect. Uh, to complete mat or to complicate matters, the M4 motorway was being constructed at the time of the the two girls' deaths, and that brought workers in from other areas who ha- oh. also then they considered. Yeah. Oh and um, also during that September, m- the Neath Fair was being held, which also brought in lots of strangers to the area. And carnies. Uh, yeah. Lord. That's a terrifying time to be a teenage girl. I know. And, and like the they're hit, all to get hitchhiking. Is to hitchhike. You know, you, they're not hitchhiking because they love it. They don't have any other way to get out, and they're stuck at their homes. They're like, you know, you'd be hitchhiking if you if it were us. We'd oh be, hell yeah. Yeah, we would, hell yeah, we'd get the fuck if out of here. If I was sixteen in Wales oh, yeah, in '73. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think um, what I read was Sandra uh, lived five miles away and didn't want to walk. From, so five okay. miles at night. Yeah, I wouldn't want to either. Yeah, and okay. Sandra. the two girls um, didn't have enough money left to get a taxi. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, you know, they were out at the bar that night and dancing and, you know, having a great time on a Saturday night. So police began checking all the white minis. Methodically, and by December, they had gotten through 8,000 of them, uh, allegedly, without identifying a good suspect. Okay. Yeah. That was a good strategy. I know. At one point, they got to a man named Joseph Kaplan. Sorry, that's not right. Kappen. Kappen, who had a white mini, but his was up on blocks at his house. Hmm. Um, so police, yeah, car up on blocks. And how big do the blocks have to be? Not very big for this many. Well, I'm imagining like, yeah, baby cinder blocks. I mean, it's just like so European and like America is like, I don't know. Just, yeah. Just, it just, these, these mini cars on American streets, they're funny. They're great. (laughs) But like, you know. I know they're so tiny. Like we, it's not our vibe over here. We're so SUV. Right. <laughs> Gotta make it Stupid. bigger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Continue. Um. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Kappen. Cars up on blocks. So police questioned him, and he told them, "As you can see, my car isn't working. It's up on blocks." And Kappen's wife said uh, she provides an alibi. She said he was with her on the evening of the second murders. So police moved on. Uh, Several sources said they followed up on approximately 35,000 leads 
like the Joseph Kappen example, and moving into 1974, they were getting nowhere. Uh, several sources also noted that in 1973, like I said, everything was on paper. It was very difficult to organize and cross-reference all this data, right. Right, all right. these leads that they're checking off. It's, it's a huge, it's a massive investigation. So nearly a year out, the leads began to dry up. You know, they're getting through all these minis. The white minis didn't lead, didn't turn up anything of note. And quietly, the investigation slowed and then yeah. stopped. Yeah. Officially becoming a cold case, and the thousands and thousands of papers were eventually boxed up and shelved. And the case remained cold for the next 16 years. Dun, dun, so we're going to move. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Well, at least they kept those papers. But yeah. It just, it all seems so hard and, and we, it's easy to take for granted these days. Yeah, it really is. Like when you are a true crime fan and you hear all these cases, you're like, oh, if only they would have had, you know, <clears throat> DNA. The Zodiac yeah. is still unsolved because there's not any good DNA. Like it's, yeah, it's frustrating. Right. Yeah. Folks just worked so, they just grind, you know, mm -hmm. investigators just grinding through like analog. Yeah data <laughs> and you know this time this year we talked about in the timeline twist that you know there's a gas crisis there's an energy crisis that stressful yeah. just tough times for just working people um which is the I community bet. of south wales yeah so yeah. yeah so the case goes cold in 74 now finally in 1990 Ooh. The case of Geraldine and Pauline was reopened and handed to Dr. Colin Dark from Chepstow-based Forensic Science Services. Okay. And the well, first thing... He's got a superhero go name, so that's cool. I know. Dark. Dr. Dark. Dr. Tall, Dark, and Handsome. I mean, maybe like <laughs> villain name. I don't know. I'm assuming... Dark. <laughs> Donnie Dark. So, yeah. The first thing he did, of course, was to retrieve all of the files and evidence, um, which was being held well, at the Sandfield Police job. Storage. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> in Port Good Talbot. Job. Good job. Uh, in an article on Wales Online, no, he did a very good thing here. Next, <laughs> Wales Online. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that Whale a dating sounds. site for whales? Okay. All right. <laughs> um. Yeah. So Dark was quoted as saying, "Quote." Because of the damp conditions, it turned to mush. It got very moldy, and mice had also nibbled away many index cards. Luckily, I anticipated the sort of developments that might happen in DNA research and asked for the girls' underwear to be stored at our labs in Chepstow. The key to cold case work is having material left to work with, you see. End quote. 
When did he request this underwear? And that's in 1990. Yeah. He, you know, they went through the paperwork and tried to salvage what they could, but he was like, we do know that there is evidence on these pieces of clothing and eventually, hopefully we can use it. This oh, was so in 1990. He, preser- he preserved the underwear. He was like, someday we're going to be able to use right. technology. He takes oh, it okay. out of these damp conditions and is like, <laughs> I don't know if when it's going to be, but someday, hopefully. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So his decision to at least keep that those pieces of evidence safe and in a better environment would eventually crack the case. Way to go, panty preserver. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, it's like, I, really I don't... Miss, but <laughs> Dr. Dark. <laughs> Dr. Dark. Oh, yeah. How can I forget? I mean, well, is... yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably this this incident is the only um, way that a panty preserver is a good is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, so way to go, Doctor Dark. Well, there's lots of other good panty preservers. Like if you have like a panty liner that preserves your panties from no, being I just stained, mean a dude a who's preserving preserver. saving panties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's the least absorbent good panty preserver. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. But he's good. You know, as far as people go, he's probably a good person version of it. But like panty preservers can also come in forms of Mhm. Just like all forms paper product. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, reset. yeah, that so that was 1990. He has the yeah. foresight to save key pieces of evidence, and in 1998, uh, developments in DNA moved the investigation forward immensely. So he okay. was right. He technology could now, uh, by 1998, isolate the killer's DNA from the DNA of the victims. So technology's moved forward enough to give us two profiles instead of just a bunch of jumbled up DNA. Um, the renewed investigation was called Operation Magnum, which yeah, well, I'm just God, like, why oh, did they give it a fuck at him? Like, that's unfortunate. Why does it gotta be that? Like, I don't know. I don't okay, know. Whatever. Okay, fine. <laughs> okay, fine. Okay, fine. But like, <laughs> Operation. Of they Magnum. didn't know. <laughs> So bad. Operation Victim Justice. I know. <laughs> Operation, this is really fucking sad. And let's take it seriously. Magnum. Instead That's of giving like, it some. Name it after a condom. Testosterone fueled. <laughs> right. It's just. Uh, whatever. Come on. Do better. 1973. Or actually, 1998. Stupid. Cops. <laughs> <laughs> so with the killers, fault. right? They, well, they didn't know. That. They're they're doing good work. I mean, I can't. I can't. Yeah. Yep. Okay. It was right. unfortunate name. They're doing their jobs. All right. Right. Yeah. And uh, lots so, of us do our jobs without having to have a special name. Gross names. Like I know. <laughs> we just yeah. call it like. 
I don't know. Social service. <laughs> like, just call it like, hey, let's solve this case. <laughs> yeah, like. Hey, do you want to work really this. hard and solve this case? Yeah, don't even mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. Magnum. <laughs> P.I. Mm-hmm. P.S. Magnum P.S. <laughs> That's a new yeah. special segment I invented. <laughs> and just um, just to clarify, Operation Magnum was like the the investigators and not Dr. Dark. Because he worked okay. for that okay. that other forensic science entity. Um, well, I don't think that's a real person, but okay. <laughs> I didn't make him up. <laughs> My sources are linked in the... <laughs> in the blog on our website. Um, so, okay, they have the killer's DNA isolated. And they do, there is, by 98, there's a fledgling DNA database. Um, so they run it. They're very excited because they finally isolated this killer's okay. DNA. And so they get no hits. So. Bing bong. I'm they so have to... excited. <laughs> But yeah, they were. They were doing that dance. Oh. No, they were sad. Yeah. They were like, oh, <clears> nothing. <throat> Bing bong. Yeah. Bing dong. The Operation Magnum dance team was doing their I'm so excited dance. Um, so, no hits. They painstakingly uh, went back through all of their persons of interest that they, you know, they just go back to the files. Um, they're trying to... Uh, get the names that they originally were looking at and see if they could just go and ask these people for a DNA sample. And um, they also recruited a criminal profiler. And mm. within eight months, they had whittled, uh, whittled the list of tens of thousands of potential suspects to 500 people that were in this the right was place. In 1998. We're in 98 now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so they've got this list. They've whittled it down. They start going to people and just asking them to voluntarily give their DNA. Yeah. Um, They also use, you know, driver's license checks, passport checks, criminal record checks. Um, They get 353 voluntary samples from that list of 500. Nice. No hits. Yeah. Well, if you're going to volunteer DNA, you probably aren't the killer. Right, exactly. Yeah, you're ruled out, and that helps them. Uh-huh. That's super nice, and you know now they have your DNA, so don't do anything stupid afterward. Yeah, or you could just give it to Twenty Three and Me and let that data breach, right, haunt you. Okay, it's fine. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so no sponsored by Twenty Three and Me. No matches resulted, but they are determined. You know, they're excited about these new... Move, there's movement in the case. Yes. Um, yeah. So, again, from Wales Online, quote, Among the 147 not checked was suspect number 200. This was a nightclub bouncer from Port Talbot called Joseph Cappen. Does that name ring a bell? 
So he was not checked, meaning not DNA checked. Did not volunteer his DNA. So Got he it. he had initially been quizzed at the time of the deaths, yeah. but somehow slid under the radar, despite driving the same model of car spotted on the night in question. Whoa. And when detectives knocked on his door, his ex-wife, Christine, appeared to deliver the revelation that Cap'n had died of lung cancer 12 years previously, a literal dead end, end quote. What? So this was in 98. So she said they, that he had died 12 years earlier or that she or 12 years earlier she, she had said that he died. No, she said that he died he died 12 years prior to when they're so knocking on her door. So in 1998 she was like, "Oh no, he died 12 years ago." Well, yeah, they yes, that's what she said okay. when they okay. that's what she said when they knocked on the door. Okay, cool. So roughly a year into Operation Magnum, <laughs> DNA testing was done on the clothing of Sandra Newton. Remember her? This is the first girl Apparently. that was, yeah, was strangled <laughs> by her skirt. <laughs> yeah. Well, Thanks she's forgotten in her. this. That's fucked, man. She got screwed over. That's terrible. Oh, yeah, she was the first one killed. And all of this action that I've been talking about um, and the investigation were for Pauline and Geraldine. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I got so. Caught up in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so th this roughly a year into the new operation, they test her clothing as well. And the result is another major breakthrough. The DNA left on all three bodies, uh, all three garments, was the same. So now they know the same person killed all three. For sure they know, because it's DNA linked. So, yeah, thank goodness they had preserved evidence for all three cases that was still extant and available for testing in 1998. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is and they huge, were able to too. These 1973 cases, like, yeah, what 25 years later? That's A lot cool. of yeah. unsolved or cold cases don't they, they remain that because they're they don't still have evidence, you yeah. know. So Usable. I know that we're, mm -hmm. we're laughing about Operation Magnum, but it's this is huge that they still had the evidence. And it was preserved enough for them to test it. But it, was any and of the evidence actually just like sperm in a condom? Not a condom. It, why did they call it Operation Magnum? <laughs> it wasn't just like they didn't know but yeah all of this evidence is, is semen. This person's semen. Um so and they did know then they must have known that it was operation magnum. well i we're gonna have to look up when were magnum condoms invented <laughs> i don't know after this case that if the, if they were invented then and well known then this that's a fucked up name <laughs> i mean these are and i know that we're joking and this is an entertainment podcast but these are rapes and that makes me yeah. mad <laughs> no, but I do think it's a strange name for the investigation. Yeah. I think I find it kind of, you know, it raises my eyebrow. 
Well, what's the actual definition of a, of ma you know, what is a magnum? Well, do we have to have that? What's the etymology? Okay, no, no, but I'm gonna, a, I'm gonna. We're gonna look it up. We're gonna look it up because. Yeah. But we all know that Magnum is a brand of condom. Right? Yes. I'm Na not. Current I'm not day. a pervert for thinking of that. Yeah, oh no, I'm not that. calling you one. That's what I thought of immediately. It's okay, well known. Thank you. It's thank well you. known I'm... in 2024, yeah. right? Like, yeah, right. everybody knows that. Yeah. And I okay. think in 1998 they were. It was well known. Anyway. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it wasn't even 73. We, we were well. We were out of high school a long time. By oh the, yeah. Like five years by then, and so it was. You know, this is for sure. My sense of humor was formed in the 90s. So <laughs> if I know that something is a brand of condom, it's because it was a brand of condom in 1990s. Right. Well, yeah. So. Okay. Well, I don't know. That's a very insensitive operation name, then. Well, I'm going on record as I I feel like it's insensitive, and I don't like it. Yeah. Well, I don't think sensitivity was their goal. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get back to it. We're Dang. we're almost there. <laughs> Um, so feeling like they're getting close, one of Dr. Dark's colleagues makes a suggestion that would be the key piece. Um, so just in the interest of trying to, like, cross off a bunch of suspects off of this list, you know, mm -hmm. he suggests, you know, this, we've run the DNA, we've run it over and over, there's, there are no hits. What if we just run it for uh, kids or family members of the killer? If it's a child, it would at least have a 50%. We could get a 50% match, and they could eliminate a bunch of suspects. So, from Wales Online, quote, of the closely related genetic profiles which remained, one would jump out of the screen at them. That of habitual car thief... Paul Capon. Although only seven years old at the time of the Landarcy murders, that's Geraldine and Pauline, that unusual surname could mean only one thing. He was Joseph Capon's son, and by persuading Capon Sr.'s ex-wife and her daughter to volunteer swabs of their DNA, decades of clutching at straws were finally brought to an end, end quote. So they figured it out. They got the 50% DNA match with the son. Then they went back and got the mother and the daughter. So the daughter would be 50%. The mother would show that um, she was part of the both children. You know, it's not a 100% match, but we're getting like... They triangulated, basically. Exactly. DNA. Yeah. And, yeah. So um, investigators... Oh, go ahead. No, it's okay. I was just like, I'm putting together. It didn't make sense to me at first, but they, what you were saying, but, um, yeah, they expanded their, like, um, whatever, search, DNA search, 
And then because the child, who was seven at the time of these murders, but happened to have their DNA on file for being a criminal themselves exactly as an adult in 1988, um, and because they expanded their bandwidth of searching within the DNA registry, like to yeah children and other relatives. They were able to, mm-hmm. like, narrow it down to somebody who was, like, a 50% relative to this child who was the criminal in 98, right? Yeah. So, in 98, And then, like, and then they worked it backwards from, and then, like, tested yeah. mom and auntie or whatever it was. Yeah. Okay. Sister. That makes sense. Mom and sister. Yeah. Mom and sister. Um, yeah. Wow, meticulous and fascinating, and yeah. also like don't like basically to me the message is don't freaking lie and commit crimes because you 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 can't just, get away it with it anymore. It would just be so nerve wracking. <laughs> to me, it just is make it. It makes me like just not. Uh, it makes me upset. Like I. Yeah. Can you imagine trying to keep your cool when you know that you've committed a murder and you're lying about it and you've got to keep all your lies straight? Uh, hell no. Need, you know, like you're stressed. I would die about, of like, the stress. Uh, I can't. I can't even. I'm dying of the stress of trying to live an honest life. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. It's like a heart enough. Good God. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Okay. So, I think I understand. I'm following now. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. They just opened it wider to the to the kid and boom. So yeah. investigators had their name, but they wanted undeniable certainty. So yeah. in December 2001, they applied to exhume the body oh of Joseph God. Kappen, who had died in 1990 of lung cancer. So, who was, yeah, so this, so it's not necessarily everything happening in 98, could have been 99, 2000, 2000, you know, 2001 in December they applied for, to exhume the body. So anytime in there is when they did all this DNA stuff. Um, I just have a quote about who Joseph Kappen was because he was a real fucking asshole. Oh, cool. Love him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So according to inews.co.uk, and this is kind of a long one, but I'm going to go quick. Uh, Quote, from the age of 12, he began attracting police attention for petty offenses. He would rack up more than 30 convictions for car theft, petrol theft, burglary, and assault, spending years in and out of prison. He never stayed in one job for long and was described by those who knew him as a loner. Kappen worked alternately as a lorry or bus driver and then as a bouncer. In 1962, Kappen met his first wife, 17-year-old Christine Powell. That's the one that gave him the alibi. And they married in February 1964. But just 10 days after their wedding, Kappen was sent to prison for burglary. Christine gave birth to a daughter and then a son, Paul, after she was raped by Kappen after his release from prison. She later testified, yeah, that Kappen was abusive towards her and would rape her every two weeks. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
Cabin was known to pursue local teenage girls during the marriage and used his job as a bouncer to do so. In uh-huh. 1964, Cappen attempted to force himself on a 15-year-old schoolgirl in his Sandfields housing estate, but she escaped. Then in February 73, a man resembling Cappen picked up two female hitchhikers and drove them to a nearby isolated road before attempting to rape both of them. They also managed to escape but did not report the incident as one thought yeah. she would get in trouble with her father. Of course. End quote. Yeah. Those probably are sneaking out. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Sorry. Yeah. I felt like that was important. Um, oh, yeah. That is important. He was clearly a bad guy. Yeah. Wow. And I think it explains, well, his wife, you know, she was scared. She, of course, gave him an alibi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after getting this name, police realized that they had actually talked to Cap'n during the initial investigation and that his wife had given him an alibi. They also discovered that after Cap'n had told them that his car was broken down, police did note that his car was seen functioning on the streets after his questioning, but the detail was lost during the massive investigation. So this just kind of got lost in the shuffle, sadly. Yeah. But in May of 2002, his body was exhumed um, during a rainstorm, no less, adding an ominous touch to the moment. Um, There's a quote from Dr. Dark in BBC.com. Quote, it was a horrible night, and just as we got to Cap'n's coffin, there was a clap of thunder, recalled Dr. Dark. It was the feeling that evil had been identified. It sent shivers down my spine. End quote. Wow. I know. Dr. Dark might just be after some publicity here. We don't know for sure. Okay, Fabio. The thought crossed my mind a couple times. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Regardless. Scary. Yeah. Sad um, deal. So they did take DNA from his body, and the results came back. They had a match, finally. Mm -hmm. So this is Mm -hmm. what they were looking for. And I just have a couple more things about the legacy of this case. Um, The Saturday Night Strangler is said to be the first case in the world solved using familial DNA. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. And as we know, uh, you know, that's happening more and more often now. So it's just going up. Uh, Also, a number of television. You can't get away with shit. Exactly. You can't. Yeah. Um, There's there have been uh, lots of television programs that have come out since 2002. Um, Yeah, there were a bunch in. There was 2002, and then I think 16, 18, 19, 20, so there are tons. Oh, Um, nice. Most importantly, though, once they had identified this killer, they were able to take a look at other rapes in the area. Um, Not all of them could be proven because there's no surviving DNA, but they can say that we strongly believe that he was the one that did this and give some of the families some peace, a little bit of closure. Um, he is strongly believed to be the killer of 19 year old Christine Barkham who disappeared in 1973. But, um, 
yeah, lots of other rapes too. So that was a really sad one. Sorry to bum everybody out, but, um, the whole DNA angle, I just thought it was a really interesting case. And yeah, like you have said a number of times, don't do crimes. You cannot get away with it anymore. <laughs> well, it's not just the just, DNA. It's just for like, me, I'm like, uh, and maybe this is this says too much about my psyche, but like, I'm always like, how could I get away with that? There's a part of my brain that is like, how would I deal with it if I was being attacked or in that situation as a victim? Oh, but there's sure. also a part of my brain that is like, how would I try to get away with that? And like, the part of my brain that is like, how to get away with stuff is way more anxiety inducing. And yeah, like, well, yeah. Honestly, and like, ultimately, I will just I'll fucking die. It's fine. But like, yeah, you get away I, yeah. with it at first, and then you, like, just have to, like, be in a paranoid state of, like, worrying about all the things that you might have left behind, and then you get interviewed by the cops, and, you know, they always get interviewed <laughs> by the cops, and, like, yeah. how can you pretend? You're, you're not you going to be able to do it. You're not going to—nobody has ever been able to, like— because they'll interview you for, like, 12 hours. Right. And you can't ask for your lawyer because that's super sus. And then, but they'll be like, they'll uh, let you tell all the kind yeah. of stories. Like, I, I always say, no, ask for the lawyer, number one, first thing. You I do, too. By the cops. Yes. That, that's my <laughs> advice to my listeners. Yeah. You get always a lawyer. ask for a lawyer. Don't say anything. But. Right. My well, don't allow them to question you for hours and hours and hours when you, yeah. yeah especially well, my if you just. observation of these people yeah. who have committed crimes is they often go in and try to pretend like they're, you know, they try to exhibit. Yeah. Cooperative behavior because they want Chris to Watts. pretend that they are not guilty, but they. Marf. I think his first name is the Chris. The thing is, the yeah. cops always anyway. know more than they're letting you know. Don't pretend yeah. like you know more than they do. Um, or they're fishing or they're lying to you freaking, because they're allowed to do lawyer. that. Get a lawyer. You have a right to a lawyer. Don't say yeah. anything. Anyway, where yeah, was I going with this? <laughs> just that you can't crime anymore. I don't, I never could. And now I well, think yeah, it's harder for everyone to do it. It used to be hard for me. Now it's hard for everyone. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to, anyways. No, I don't either. This is sad, though. Like, it makes me sad. Um, not yeah. just because, like, you can't hitchhike anymore, but, like... Mm. <laughs> Otherwise, it's, I'd be out on the road. No, it's pretty... It feels sad for the victims. Yeah. But, yeah, you um, can't hitchhike, but you can get in an Uber with a stranger, well, which is awesome. weird. But they also, all of their information, you know, well, is readily always, available. It's not 100% it's not safe. always safe. Yeah. Yeah. It's just funny that we do that. Yeah. Anyway. Well, yeah, I this was like a sad one. Yeah, it was sad, but it was also, like, there's a little bit of, like, I, I appreciate the, like the follow-up the 90s follow-up and like how 
you know, these crimes that happened in the 70s that at that time were probably thought to be unsolvable, they did yeah. get a second life in like 20, 30 years later and were able to be, um, you know, kind of resolved. So I think yeah. that's, that's cool. I'm fascinated by familial DNA and all of that. So yeah. this, this is, that's why this one jumped out at me. It's just a particular interest one. of mine, but I hope all of you found it interesting as well. Oh, it's just sad. Yeah, sad. that's the Saturday Night Strangler. The Saturday Night Strangler. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Well, great job. Good story. Thank you. Should okay. we... Zodiac back it. Get to the Zodiac Damn. back. Okay. Flash forward, 1973. True crime, mm-hmm. woo crime. Welcome to the Zodiac bike. Woo! Um, so, okay. Hi. I'm excited. I'm excited for this one. So, in 1973, we had some themes. Um, Pluto, Neptune were in that sextile we had been talking about they were still yeah. hanging out in this sextile they've been in since the 1940s um right okay Pluto. so can i just sorry i know yeah. you just started but this is the pluto neptune cycle and right. in one of the previous ones you were like it was in this during this year and then you talked about how we get to be in the sextile which is not the square, which is tension. Right. The sextile is better. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's a more positive aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, in 73, <clears throat> we had started the, like, the the cycle that they were a part of had started in the 1890s with the conjunction. Right. Okay. Yes. I remember that. In okay. Gemini. And in the 70s, 1973, we have... Pluto in a, in um, Libra, which is an air sign, and yeah. Neptune was in the fire sign of Sagittarius. So they're in a sextile situation. Okay. Right. 60 so, degrees apart. Yeah. So that cycle that we've already discussed and that we've always kind of like delved into in a previous episode, mm-hmm. that's, that's where we are with Pluto and Neptune. We're in a sextile still. Libra to Sag. Um, second thing I want to talk about tonight with the Zodiac back is Holy Eclipses, Batman. There's like seven eclipses. This oh my year. god! Yeah, I didn't know that was possible. Like it kind of blew my mind. Uh, that's funny. I was about to say that's possible. Yeah. No, <laughs> I didn't know. I'm learning too. Like I'm learning okay. too. Seven. Seven eclipses and a special crossing of the sun called a Mercury transit that we'll talk about. Um, And last time we talked about the um, mutable modality of signs. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. Virgo, Pisces, Sagittarius, Gemini, like... 
Um, and tonight we're going to talk about the cardinal modality because uh, we just it's just kind of like activated this year. There's like a lot of cardinal activity. Okay. And so we'll talk about the cardinal modality. There's cardinal, mutable, and fixed. And that. That's right. So we'll save the fixed modality for another day. Yeah. Um, the third thing I want to touch on briefly tonight is the um, kind of the paranormal side of things in 1973. Um, once we introduced that topic yeah. in 1947, I just want to, whenever there's some kind of notable UFO activity or something like Hell, that, I just yeah. want to like ping it. Um, so we'll talk about a little bit about UFOs. We're going to talk about multiple personalities. And, um, and we're going to talk about like what was the culture, pop culture around astrology during that year. Hell yes. Love it. And then we'll tie it into present day. So uh, as usual, we're going to start with our, our check-in with what are the outer planets doing. Pluto was in the sign of Libra, early in the sign of Libra that year, went from four to six degrees of Libra um, and then Neptune was sextile to Pluto in the sign of Sagittarius from six to eight degrees so four to six and six to eight like they're kind of in, yeah. just like hanging in this like two degree separation which is with the yeah. orb that you have with those outer planets it's obviously hanging in that sextile it's not exact but maybe went exact sometime during that period based on retrogrades or whatever but um uranus also was in libra but in the later degrees of that sign and okay. from 22 to 27 that year and saturn moved from 15 gemini all the way to zero degrees of cancer so it transversed 15 degrees from 15 gemini all the mm. way to zero of cancer um, Jupiter was in Capricorn at the beginning of the year and moved from 17 Capricorn to 14 Aquarius. So okay. Jupiter moves almost a full 30 degrees per year. So that makes sense. Um, what I thought was interesting was that the North Node, mo which moves in retrograde, started the year at 16 degrees Capricorn, which Jupiter started at 17 degrees Capricorn. So they had oh. just like just past touching each other, going yeah. opposite directions in in um twenty in um nineteen seventy-two. So they've just come out of that conjunction, Jupiter North Node, which I'm gonna talk about a little bit later. Um and so the North Node moved from sixteen degrees of Capricorn retrograde back to uh twenty-eight of Sagittarius. So there you go. That's okay. the kind of action we have uh, in the planets. Pluto in Libra, Neptune in Sag, Uranus in Libra, Libra. Saturn mostly in Gemini, mm -hmm. um, which is opposite Sagittarius, but never. Yeah, yeah. I need to learn the opposites. Yeah. I have my chart pulled up from our website, yeah. so, so if you haven't looked at it yet, everyone... Look at your pie chart. It's there super helpful. So, you know, this Pluto-Neptune sextile is continuing. 
Pluto is again the transformation planet. Neptune is the planet of illusion. Um, Libra Ooh. is a sign of balance and relationship. It's ruled mm -hmm. by Lib by Venus, and Sagittarius is a sign of enthusiasm or zealotry. It's ruled by Jupiter. Um, yeah, enthusiasm. I think the last time you called it the cheerleader, and I was like, "That's so cute." Did I? <laughs> that doesn't sound like me. As we said, the North Node and Jupiter just crossed, and they're going opposite directions. So, like, unfortunately, the marker colors on my whiteboard <laughs> are very similar, but I try to make them look different. But they're just like, they start out here, and then they, like, spread apart, going different directions um, over the year. I, just, I thought that was very interesting. Um... Anyway, it, um, yeah, wasn't Jupiter in 73 first photographed also? Oh, I, I don't was, know. Yeah, the timeline twist, that was the first photographs. I'm pretty oh. sure it was the first photographs of Jupiter. Love that. I forgot or mm -hmm. didn't notice. That's amazing. Yeah, and I haven't had listened back to edit yet. That was in the eye to the sky segment. <laughs> <laughs> Moving away from their conjunction in Capricorn in 1972, which is a conjunction that happens every seven years about. Um, and so the last time it happened recently was in 2023 in Taurus. Um, the North Node and Jupiter? Mm -hmm, Jupiter conjunct the North Node. Okay. Um, and the next time will be in 2030 in Sagittarius. Um, the meaning okay. has to do with Jupiter, which means expansion, and the North Node, which is like the hungry head of the dragon. And here's Ooh, a quote from right. astrobutterfly.com. Sorry, go ahead. No, just I was remembering that you call, yes, the North Node is the head of the dragon, right? Right. Like it's like yeah. insatiable. Yes. I. There's Remember many when other you meanings. That, I was like, I love it. There's many other meanings for it, and a lot of times it has to do with like, um, in evolutionary astrology, especially like, the North Node is your, your purpose in life, and the South Node is like what you came into this life knowing and what you're ready to purge. Oh. So is okay. another like. If the North Node is the mouth of the dragon, the South Node That's is the right. butthole yeah. of the dragon, etc. Here's a quote from astrobutterfly.com. Okay. On June 1st, 2023, Jupiter is conjunct the North Node at 3 degrees Taurus, opening new doors of opportunities for us. This is a unique chance to embark on a new journey. Jupiter and the North Node have quite a bit in common. They are both growth-oriented, forward-looking energies. Jupiter wants to find a higher meaning, and the North Node is our actual purpose in life. When Jupiter and the North Node meet, opportunity meets readiness. That's now, okay. let's talk about the eclipses. The eclipses and more... Um, I got really, like, this, researching this part of the Zodiac back for this year kind of blew my mind. 
So just prepare yourself. We have seven eclipses this year, plus something called a Mercury transit, which is not an every year thing. It's like every 13 years. Um, yeah. Brace yourself for going through it. Um, this is one of those years where it starts out, you get like no break, and it starts out January 4th <laughs> with a an annular solar eclipse in Capricorn. Um, solar eclipse is a new moon, which means that the sun and the moon are at the same place in the zodiac. Um, then we had a January 18th, 19th yeah. penumbral lunar eclipse in Cancer, which means that the moon was in Cancer and the sun was in Capricorn. So that's January. And then we have a little break. And then as is normal about six months later in june 15 16th we have a penumbral another penumbral lunar eclipse in sagittarius this time because the sun is in gemini so so far Those this opposites. year we've had capricorn and cancer and sagittarius um yeah okay. but that lunar eclipse sagittarius in sagittarius the sun is in gemini because it's a full moon, meaning that the sun is opposite the moon. Right. Every eclipse, that's true. Right? Every They're eclipse, all lined up. the sun is either or the opposite Earth. the moon or right. conjunct the moon. A new moon eclipse is when the moon is conjunct the sun. Mm -hmm. And a full moon is when it's opposite. So, yes, correct. Um, they're always on an axis. Right. They're all lined up. They're all, all, all lined of, yeah. up. And yeah, the earth is in there somewhere. Yeah, the and earth is in between. Cause that's what makes an eclipse. That's where we're looking at it from. That's what makes an eclipse. Earth does it. Earth does it, baby. June 30th, we had a total solar eclipse in Cancer. So. Yeah. That was cool. June 30th. And then in this same eclipse season, we had June 15th and then June 30th. Usually you just have two, like, two weeks apart, two eclipses. And this time we had another one July 15th. So that extended eclipse Wait. season to three, three eclipses in the middle of that summer in 1973. So we, yeah. had, we had a lunar eclipse in Capricorn. Um, so I just wanted to throw back to the TT, the timeline twist. Mm -hmm. The one in June was the one that lasted over seven minutes. Oh, the yeah. total solar. Yeah. Yeah. And there it was a one of only seven. Totally. That lasted that long. Yeah. In the whole millennium. Yeah. Okay. Continue. Thank you. Thanks for the throwback <laughs> to the TT. Um, the TT Tata. That's pretty good. Like, it was, well, yeah, that was a big time. That was like a eclipse summer, June 15th through July 15th. Plus, like, two yeah. weeks before and two weeks after. That was, like, an intense, intense time. And it was across two axes. So the Cancer Capricorn axis and the... Sagittarius Gemini axis as well so just like covered a lot of areas of life yeah and then fast forward to November 9th 10th um, we had what's called a Mercury transit 
when Mercury was retrograde in Scorpio, a Mercury transit is kind of the same as an eclipse, but it is when Mercury passes in front of the sun based on the sort of ecliptic, which is the visual mm-hmm. like line of Earth to the sun. So it doesn't happen very frequently. <clears throat> and I've got a little bit of, to share about that later, but I just want to wrap up the eclipses section. Um, after that Mercury transit, we had December 9th and 10th, we had a partial lunar eclipse in Gemini with the sun in Sagittarius. And then December 24th, we had an annular solar eclipse in Capricorn. So that makes a total of, total of seven eclipses that year. We had, you know, That's every insane. six months or so, we have an eclipse season. We How had one at the even... very beginning of the year, and then we had one okay. in the middle of the year that had three eclipses, which is unusual. And then the next eclipse season started before the end of the year. So, I don't know how they survived. <clears throat> right? It was kind of a it was very, that says to me, drama. <laughs> yeah. Super drama. Super drama. And then what you shared about the, you know, that um, total solar eclipse in June. Well, also, I think it's funny that um, you mentioned Jupiter and Mercury, and both of those. Um, in November, Mariner 10, uh, yeah, the Mariner 10 went to the planet Mercury or around it. Right. And then in December, that was when the images of Jupiter came out. Yeah. So same planets. I, I don't think that they knew all that shit was going on with those planets, but very interesting coincidence. Yeah, good point. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, Jupiter and Mercury are the planets that rule mutable signs. Oh, okay. So that's interesting, too. Um, Here is... um, Here's a little bit... Because I had never heard of a transit Mercury, and when we talk about transit, like, that means something in astrology, which means, like, just a... A, like... um, a passing um, aspect made in a chart. Like a transit is like when a, you know, planet's moving around the zodiac in real time and it makes uh, makes an aspect with a chart. Um, in astronomy and based on like what is a Mercury transit, um, according to timeanddate.com, and not according to astrology, according to astronomy. This is from Mm. the Royal um, Museum of Greenwich. Greenwich. Uh, What is a transit of Mercury? Um, Because I'd never heard of this, and all Mm -hmm. the times I've been looking at timeanddate.com to look at the eclipses of the year, I'd never seen anything but a sun and moon kind of eclipse and then this all of a sudden this year in 1973 it was like and then november 9th like we're just gonna throw in a mercury transit and so i was like what's the deal with that so i looked it up so that means um mercury was between the earth and either the sun or the moon i forget which one you said sun 
the sun. Okay. Yeah, but also it has to be on the line of the ecliptic so that it actually does block out the sun. Anyway, because Mercury goes oh. back and forth in front of the sun all the time. Oh, anyway. Okay. So, yeah, okay. I looked it up in here. Gotcha. I have some more. I have some inf- information okay. for you. Yeah. Um, I, need, I need it. Yeah. <laughs> I need the information. No, I did too. I was like, <laughs> what is this? you got to be kidding. That's like the whole thing about astrology. It's like every time you look at it, it's like, oh, no, another, my God, rabbit hole. Um, yeah. But this is from Royal Museums Greenwich. What is a transit of Mercury? A transit occurs when one object in the sky appears to cross the face of another. The transit of Mercury occurs when the planet Mercury crosses directly between the sun and the earth, blocking out a small part of the sun's rays. During the transit, Mercury appears as a tiny black dot moving across the disk of the sun. Mercury and Venus are the only planets that can be seen transiting the sun from the Mm. earth as they are the only planets that orbit the within the Earth's orbit. So they're the only two planets within our orbit. Mm-hmm. Seems obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a link in our document to um, timeanddate.com, mm-hmm. which has an animation of this Mercury transit. Oh. It's really cool. Like, it's a great website. It the sources. Yeah, um, so if you want to ex- see kind of what that actually looks like, they have a great animation of tracking the tiny dot of Mercury across the face of the sun, and they even explain how, like, it takes kind of an arced track. It's not a straight line, and they explain uh, that that is okay. because of the orbit or revolution of the Earth somehow or something mm. anyway anyway time and date.com awesome website like you can spend hours there i could yeah i know it's one of your faves <laughs> that's just and like amazing animations are so helpful if you're a visual learner yes they're so great and they also have like so have much happening many of you know any eclipse from 1900 on they will show they have a great visualization a map of the um geographical area in which that eclipse was visible oh damn okay yeah they're great so sad that they're not available before 1900 but anyway (laughs) um they're doing their best right This is back to from the Royal Museums of Greenwich. Um, How can I see the transit of Mercury? The last transit of Mercury took place on November 11th, 2019, but the next one won't be until 2032. So you missed it. You missed out. Transits are incredibly rare astronomical events, and even when they do occur, cloud cover can spoil the chance of a clear sighting. Obvi. Because Mercury is so small relative to the sun, it's not possible to to observe and photograph the transit of Mercury without the use of a telescope or a long camera lens. These must have special solar filters fixed securely in place in order to observe the sun safely and avoid damaging your equipment. Warning! Or your eyes. Observers should never look directly into the sun. Mm -hmm. Permanent eye damage can result 
you will not be able to see the transit of Mercury through eclipse glasses. So basically, they're like, it's really cool <laughs> and you can't see it. Wait for NASA yeah. to post pictures. Yeah. Do not look directly into the sun. You may ask yourself, how often do transits <laughs> of Mercury occur? Transits of Mercury take place on average around 13 times per century, either in May oh. or November. Which I thought was interesting. It's only in May or November. According to the yeah. Royal Observatory astronomer Tom Kurz. And quote, May and November are six months apart. Yeah. Well, and then this year it was in November, in wasn't May. it? In 1973, it was November 9th and 10th, which is my mom's birthday. November oh. 9th. Uh, quote from Tom Kress. Although Mercury overtakes us several times per year on its relatively quick journey around the sun, we don't see transits every time because Mercury's orbit is quite highly inclined relative to that of Earth. He explains, Fortunately, transits of Mercury are considerably more common than transits of Venus. The next Venus transit won't occur until 2117. Oh, shit. So, that's a positive outlook. Yeah. Uh, the next transit of Mercury, like I said, I think will be in um, 2030. Mm. So, there you go. Stay uh, tuned, people. Stay tuned. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we had seven eclipses, and as if that weren't enough that year we also had a mercury transit which was it's kind of like an eclipse but it's like mercury is so small that it can't you can't call it an eclipse but it was like a it eclipsed a little right. dot of the sun but it's for, trying it's I best it, well you could see it in front of the Smoking sun it's like so cool mm-hmm. Aww, so cute go um, mercury yeah, so um, those are some themes. We had the Pluto-Neptune sextile. We have these, like, so many eclipses and the Mercury transit, which is, like, a kind of a special thing. And then, like, yeah. third theme for the year is that um, we have a lot of planets and aspects in cardinal signs. And since last Zodiac back, we talked about the mutable modality. Mm -hmm. I thought I would just introduce the cardinal modality this time um, yeah i'm referencing our chart right now yeah that makes it so easier for me um this is from um, my floating glasses oh that's better uh this is from again from the great book you were born for this by Channing nicholas uh regarding the modalities quote the modality of a sign tells us what its job is cardinal signs initiate new seasons fixed signs stabilize the existing season mutable signs let go of one season in preparation for another because of this no two fire earth air or water signs work exactly alike and according to Chani, the cardinal signs Aries initiates action. Oh, boy, do they ever. Yep. 
Cancer initiates emotional ties, bonds, and feelings. True. Okay. Libra initiates relationships. And yep. Capricorn initiates the long-term plan. So, just, that's a little bit about cardinal signs. We'll obviously be exploring these themes later on, but since we had so many of our outer planets in cardinal signs, um, I thought I would just introduce that. Yeah. Jeff, yeah. what do you think about that? Well, <laughs> I um, just had to memorize last time what modalities were, which is the cardinal, the fixed, and the Yeah, we're going to kind of like, we're just going to go slow and repeat and mm -hmm. like add a little bit on each time. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's the cardinal signs. Set out some themes for the year. Um... And now, uh, to cover kind of like what was going on in astrology that mm -hmm. year, uh, I found this fun video that was just like the pop craze of astrology in like culture in the 70s, All right. which led me to some fun stuff, but it was... I, it has to be fun. Given the Dodge van ad that right? we read. Yeah, like there's yeah. so many, like they have all these like different products where they have a Zodiac theme and like, you yeah. know, it's kind of everywhere. Um, but we my should have looked up um, w the rise of the phrase, what's your sign? No, it's like. As a pickup line. Yeah, I did uh, kind of get into that. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> but I found this video that was, like, about the, like, Zodiac in design and pop culture for that year. And it led me Ooh. down this rabbit hole into the um, Southern Comfort Oh. apparently for several <laughs> years published this like booklet called mixology that had like that was like astrology and drinks it was, it was like <gasps> no they didn't every They're year they would publish a new one and it was like <laughs> drink recipes and then astrology but astrology based <laughs> drink recipes yeah, I think so. Oh my god. Yeah, but they have really cool graphics, and yeah, you'll I see mean, this that's in the an, file. It's uh, a genius marketing campaign, right? Like, yeah, so this is what was happening the, in yeah. the 70s. <laughs> Astrology was kind of getting Hugh Hefter hip, right? So right. I just it's in the popular culture. Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. Oh, so I'm going to read to you a little bit from this. Um, booklet oh that I found God, on yes. eBay. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this sorry, is... I haven't even heard it yet, and I'm too... okay. Sorry. Okay, so okay. I just have to Go mention ahead. that this is uh, like <clears throat> this is their advertisement booklet or whatever, and this is the title of the article, but it is like glaringly in all lower case except for the words mm -hmm. happy hour so 
Wait, happy hour is what? So let me caps? read you the whole title, and the only words that are capitalized are happy hour. Okay. The whole title is Some Fundamentals for Happy Hour Astrology. Like, so I just I just find that notable that they this is like a design choice or I don't know, but sure. happy hour is the only thing that's capitalized in that title. Uh, it could have been, right? Honestly. Yeah, I know it was seventies. Yeah. Goddamn, they were trying anything. Ish. Yeah, here we go. Man's fascination with what's quote written in the stars. Dates back over 5,000 years. Astrologists say that the position of the sun, moon, and planets at the time of your birth affects your entire life. Thus, people who are born at different times of the year will tend to have different potential characteristics. Because they're talking about sun sign astrology because that's sure. all yeah. that anybody knew at this point. That's what they knew at the time. Yeah. Every person is said to be born under a sign of the zodiac. That's in quotes. The zodiac <laughs> is a kind of a cosmic calendar, a giant imaginary circle encompassing what seems to be the sun's yearly path around the earth. Its 12 parts are named for ancient star constellations. Each has a characteristic symbol or sign. The part in which the sun is located at the time of the year you're born denotes your sign. Basic yeah, character man. is often read by this sign alone. The moon and planets, especially your ruling planet, also add their influence. Here the yeah, hour you, you were it? born is important since solar bodies move at different speeds. Their related positions constantly change. An astrologist uses these positions plotted on charts called horoscopes as the key to your character <laughs> and abilities, <laughs> thus formulating a guide to your path for the future. Astrology has many contradictory interpretations. We offer only a capsule of the most widely accepted. Associations such as birth gems, lucky days, colors, numbers, etc. can also be traced Wait a minute. to this intriguing subject. Then there's a picture of a happy gems. white couple. And then it says down the next part is says... Um, uh, sorry. The next part says... What is Southern Comfort? Although it's used just like an ordinary whiskey. <laughs> oh, I forgot this was a sun I forgot this was a Southern Comfort ad. <laughs> Try to keep up. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Sorry, I'm back. I'm back. All right, so visually uh, next to the article that I just read, there's a really bitten like seventies oh, color yeah. wheel vibe uh, um, oh, astrology wheel, which has a sun the in the middle. Or, and yeah, it's like pretty cool. It's very, it's the color of my parents' kitchen in the seventies. And then the oh next part of the article, or maybe it's a different article. I don't know. It says, "What is Southern Comfort?" Although it's used just like an ordinary whiskey, Southern Comfort tastes much different than any other basic <laughs> liquor. It actually tastes good right out of the bottle. There's is that a what reason. It, says? it tastes good. Well, it actually tastes good in italics. 
right out of the bottle exclamation mark there's a reason period in the days of old new orleans one talented gentleman was disturbed by the taste of even the finest whiskeys of his day so he combined rare and delicious ingredients to create this unusually smooth italics special kind of basic liquor sure Thus, Southern Southern Comfort was born! Exclamation point. Its formula is still a family secret. Dot, dot, dot. Its delicious taste still unmatched by any other liquor! Exclamation mark. Try it on the rocks. Dot, dot, dot. Then you'll understand why, in italics, it improves most mixed drinks. Okay. Most mixed drinks, but not all. Um... So that's a full page of an ad, and then like there's a picture Damn. of like a happy white couple with stupid blazers on. Um, well, anyway, that's about know. the astrology of 1973. Okay, sorry, I gotta shrink that down. Amazing. <laughs> I hope. Yeah, yeah. I know. I love that. I, love I that. wish I could get a cop. I wish somebody would gift me. All of the copies of the mixology put out by Southern Comfort Southern Comfort campaign in 1973. Yeah, yeah, we need them. We do. It's pretty great. Um, it's genius. <laughs> it's genius. Well, they're booklet. They're like monthly booklets that have 44 drink recipes. <laughs> like yeah, it's like. That's a lot of drink recipes. poor woman was, like, busting her ass (laughs) every day, like, with a Mad Men-style boss, just, like, produce, you know. Oh, my God, It's pretty bad. We got to tie Southern Comfort with the Zodiac. They're like, you got to mix Southern Comfort with anything, any of these 100 different ingredients (laughs) to make it palatable. (laughs) do you like jello because it goes great in a jello shot (laughs) do you like gelatin salad oh my god it goes great in a gelatin salad (laughs) yeah spick me later um (laughs) okay okay oh my god (laughs) um so this section was supposed to be about the like world of astrology in this year and i wanted to like that i thought was interesting like this is like astrology in the mainstream Uh, (laughs) that that was a long segment about the uh (laughs) southern comfort ad um (laughs) next i'm just gonna check in on the paranormal themes for the year because like it's my special another it's like my sub special interest and um i when i looked into it like there actually was something for this year so this is from wikipedia ufos baby um the pascagoula abduction was an alleged ufo sighting and alien abduction in 1973 in which charles hickson and calvin parker claimed that they were abducted by aliens while fishing near pascagoula mississippi Ooh. 
on the evening of this. on the evening of October 11th, 1973, 14-year-old Charles Hickson and 19-year-old Calvin Parker told the Jackson County, Mississippi Sheriff's Office that they were fishing off a pier on the west bank of the Pascagoula River in Mississippi when they heard a whirring slash whizzing sound, saw two flashing blue lights, and observed an oval-shaped object 30 to 40 feet across and 8 to 10 feet high. Parker and Hickson claimed they were conscious but paralyzed, quotes, while three creatures with robotic <laughs> slit mouths and no. crab-like pincers took them aboard no. the object and subjected them no. to an examination. No. No. Why no? Do you want to? Do you I hate go all of <laughs> You don't want to be abducted? I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> okay, question. Would you rather be oh, abducted shit. by these aliens or would you rather be haunted in your garden shed like the Bromley poltergeist? Garden shed. Garden shed, for sure. Really? Yeah, I could just choose to never go back in there and just be like, What if they followed it. you home like Alf... Taylor. Well, you didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just, just wondering. Following the incident, Hickson gave interviews and lectures, appeared on television, including an episode of the game show, quote, To Tell the Truth. Mm? In 1974, claimed additional encounters with aliens, and in 1983, offered a self-published book, called UFO Contact at Pascagoula. I that's, have heard of this. That's I have Hickson. heard of this because of the game show thing. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Great. And then anyway. Parker later attended UFO conventions and in 1993, Class 93 rules, started a company <laughs> called UFO <laughs> Investigations to produce television stories about UFOs. I and mean, then, that's a natural segue. Uh, uh, yeah, I would what do else are you gonna, How else are you going to make money of it? And then in right. September 2011, Hickson died of a heart attack. Sad. Hmm. In 2018, Parker released his book entitled Pascagoula, The Closest Encounter, My Story. <laughs> okay, that's the title F. of the book. Norris, her book. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Herb! Which is the first full account of the event given by Parker, along with how it affected his life. Um, and this is uh, the best yeah. part. <laughs> On June 22nd, 2019, a historical marker was unveiled <gasps> at the yes. site of the alleged abduction. Yes. Funded by the Historical Society yes. and with placement yes. approved yes. by the city. Parker attended the unveiling, as did Hickson's son and family. Parker, Parker stated, It is emotional for me. I can't really describe it because I would break out in tears if I do. I wish... When I died, I could be buried right mm. here underneath this plaque. 
that would explain it the best. It is quite an honor. And then Parker died from kidney cancer in August of 2023. So. Oh, shit. Um, so, and then to pivot a slight bit, another, and this is just like, I don't know why I got this wild hair, but I was like, when did that book Sybil come out? Because yes, yes, I've been waiting for you to get to this. <laughs> I read that book as a kid on my parents' bookshelf, among other probably I mean, not appropriate it was huge. things. Huge Sybil, such a huge book. No, it blew. You know, it had a huge impact, mm-hmm. and I probably read it at a too young age. Is my point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it came out Terrifying. in 1973, which is before I was born. So that was definitely too young mm-hmm. for me to read it. Um, this is from Wikipedia. Sybil is a 1973 book by Flora Rita Schreiber about the treatment of Sybil Dorset, which is a pseudonym for Shirley Ardell Mason. Um, so this is a book by Flora Schreiber about the treatment of Sybil Dorset for dissociative identity disorder, which was at that time referred to as multiple personality disorder. Yeah. And it is by her, um, psychoanalyst Cornelia B. Wilbur. The book was made into two television movies of the same name, one in 1976 and again in 2007, which I've not seen either. There have also been books published after the fact, challenging the facts of Sybil's therapy sessions. A few examples of these are Sybil in her own words, Sybil Exposed, and After Sybil. So the book was published, and then there were, like, also, like, there have been conflicting stories published after the fact uh-huh. um yeah I've here's a summary of the book mason who mason is given the pseudonym sybil by her therapist to protect her privacy originally in treatment for social anxiety and memory loss after extended therapy involving amobarbital and hypnosis interviews sybil manifests 16 personalities. Wilbur encouraged Sybil's various selves to communicate and reveal information about her life. Wilbur writes that Sybil's multiple personality disorder was a result of the severe physical and sexual abuse she allegedly suffered at the hands of her mother, Hattie. The book's narrative describes Sybil's selves gradually becoming co-conscious, able to communicate and share responsibilities, and having musical compositions and art published under their various names. Wilbur attempts to integrate Sybil's various selves, first convincing them via hypnosis they are all the same age, then encouraging them to merge. At the book's end, a new optimistic self called the Blonde emerges, preceding Sybil's final integration into a single, whole individual with full knowledge of her past and present life. The book was met with criticism and controversy and was responsible for the uptick in the diagnosis of multiple personality disorder come to be known as... Um, Split personality? um, Dissociative 
identity disorder. I got interested in what was, you know, like, what's the astrology of, of multiple personalities, right? And I Googled mm-hmm. that. Um, I found this article on this website called The Astrology Place. The article is entitled, An Astrological Examination of Multiple Personality Disorder. Um, and this is from April 19th, 2010. And it's about okay. a different case, not about uh, Sybil, but about this different case of um, dissociative identity disorder of a, a patient named Christine Sizemore. Um, mm. So it's an analysis of her chart and her diagnosis. But I kind of extracted some themes um, that had to do with Pluto and Neptune and Mercury and the moon in detriment. And so it was a lot of like squares to Pluto, squares to Neptune, moon square to stuff. Um, The moon in in, 73 in the chart of this. Uh, person Christine Sizemore who had oh, okay yeah gotcha. okay. Um, and so I was just like kind of pulling out what are the themes of that chart that they're doing this analysis of and what applies to 1973 yeah um, difficult aspects with the sun and Pluto or Neptune and then like just to take a look at where we were in 1973 and where we're gonna be in 2020. Four and moving forward, um, like we will be, as I said yes, last yes, time, yes. we'll be in the exact sextile between Pluto and Neptune, from again from an air sign to a fire sign, just like it was in 73. You know, that's coming exact in 2026. All um, right. And, yeah, in 1973, we had some eclipses, like a lot of them, but many of them were in those cardinal signs. And we're going to have some cardinal sign eclipses. We'll have an Aries and a Libra, you know, this year or so, um, at least. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's some things that kind of, like, track and notice like how how does that kind of echo from 1973 but um damn yeah i mean that's basically basically what i have i uh it was a good job it's an interesting is i don't know the 70s are very fascinating Mm -hmm. it's tempting to like branch out too much but um, I, I know it's yeah. so hard to stay to one year I know because ours I like our format I mean, but it's also like it's an interesting challenge no I, yeah yeah <laughs> um speaking of like what's the rhyme or reason nobody knows but next week we're gonna be uh, back in the 19th century yeah barely and yeah. um 
Yeah, I don't know. Do you have any like teaser clues for nineteen? The next uh, what I is that? Episode fourteen. Episode fourteen. Oh, this is a, this is fourteen. Correct. That'll be fifteen. Thank you. Yeah. I know. We're getting so far up there. It's hard to count. It's hard to count our episodes. I need better posted situation. Yeah. Ooh. Okay, well, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, now I'm excited. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited for my story to tell. And I'm excited for my story, too. Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. My gosh. If you're still listening now here at the Zodiac Back, if you're listening to the yeah. Zodiac Back, like you get a gold star. My goodness. For sure. And if you're still listening, go ahead and rate. On if you want to give us five stars, we'd love you're that. Listening yeah. on. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. Share with your friends, please. Super helps. Thank you so much. There's a lot of freebie ways to like help us with our algorithms. Yeah. yeah. If you rate, review, share with your friends. Yeah. If you feel like it. Yeah. Send us an email if you have an yeah. idea for a show, because we'd love to hear it. Um, yeah, this is pretty fun. I'm feeling like this is a part of my life now, and I like it. Yeah, well, we're, yeah, we're doing well, no, it. I made a commitment, and, like, I can't get yeah. out of it. That's kind of scary, actually. I was like, oh, shit, we're doing it. Hopefully. Okay, well. Good, uh, hopefully no, it brings you joy. Because that's all we want. Uh, a little I, bit of entertainment corner in your life. It brings me joy, and that's all that matters. Yeah. I hope, and, and yeah. you, and, like, if it ever stops bringing you joy or me joy we'll stop doing it yeah but for now it's pretty fun um yeah exactly yeah all right yeah we thanks for listening we love you we ain't a wolf we love you yeah uh-huh 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 we ain't a wolf You Ain't a Woofin' is brought to you by 4702 Productions. Thank you for listening. If you have comments, story ideas, or would like to reach out, email us at youain'tawoofin' at gmail.com. Everything you need to know can be found at youain'tawoofin'pod.com. All art and design by Valerie. All music and editing by Amy Joe. We are a 100% independent podcast. Support us on Patreon at You Ain't a Woofin' Pod. Also, please rate, review, share, and subscribe. We love you, and we ain't a woofin'.